0: All right. Thanks, Michael. You're welcome. Uh-oh, still on. <laughs> Can we turn his mic off? <laughs> turn his mic off, please. <laughs> yeah, He's done. He's done here. <laughs> okay. Uh, thanks for coming out, everyone. Nice to see you on this beautiful evening. Yeah. This is a great place to have church. Look at the cloud with the glory beam behind it. It's like, man, it doesn't get much better than this. Beautiful weather, nice people. And uh, a time to share in our common faith together. That's our faith in Christ. So if you have a Bible, you can uh, turn to the book of Colossians. We, uh, We normally have something for the kids that um, Susan had started a couple of weeks ago, but she and Eric and the family are out of town, uh, this week for the next couple of weeks. So we'll resume the kids. What do the kids do anyway? It looks like they have fun. I'm watching them run around and play games and do all that, but, the oh, that, the verses, that's right. Yeah. So we'll, we'll start that back up when they get back. But, um, and another thing we're praying for, you know, this is, uh, This is a fun thing that we do, and I know some of you guys are are from out of town. You're just visiting. Some of you are visiting from other uh, church congregations, and some of you are like, we love this. This is our church. We're starting. We're starting a church. And uh, the beach is kind of an awkward place to start a church, I guess. Um, It's not normally done that way, but hey, I feel like that's what Jesus did when he was around. He went to the beach, and he got in the boat, though. Where's the boat? (laughs) <laughs> Jet ski. <laughs> After I make a good point, I'll just do like a donut. <laughs> Is it called a donut on the water? All right, Papa Wheelie. Um, but we're we're we are looking for um, a place to have like a few offices and to store some stuff and to even have, I mean, Lord willing, like a Sunday morning service and to. And to kind of get, I don't want to say we're not serious, but to kind of get more structured and established, and to be able to have kind of a a place where um, there's a little bit of a permanent presence, you know, because the the beach can be a little bit transient. We're going to still meet here every Thursday. I mean, any Thursday night that we can, we're going to be here. Um, But to also have a place um, that we can say, hey, you know, meet for Bible studies in the week or... Sunday morning or if it's raining doing something there or all the other stuff we do whatever it is as the Lord leads so be in prayer for that please and uh, we're looking at a place right on in West Bradenton not on the island but in West Bradenton on Manatee there's a there's like a little storefront we're we're looking at so God knows see what happens keep it in prayer okay Colossians chapter 3 Last week we only studied four verses. So what, what we do, what I like to do, what I believe in, I believe in the, the teaching of the Bible. The Bible, you know, it, it actually says that um, the scripture is breathed by God. It's, it's a, the word of God and it's profitable for um, Christian living and instruction in righteousness and, and all these things we want, faith. And so I really believe in the teaching. We do as a church believe in the teaching of the Bible. That's a central part of our church. So we teach through books of the Bible. It's called expositional preaching, that means, or teaching. Although last week I was preaching a little bit. We only studied four verses because I got to preaching. And by the way, it's hard to preach when you're sitting down. Guys, I almost almost got up, but... No, if I start preaching, I'll stand up, but... but me and Dino did a leg leg workout this morning, so I'll be like, hang on a second. Hang on for that next point. <laughs> uh I'm just gonna stay seated. Unless I'm really feel like if it's if I'm really feeling it, I'll stand up, okay? I'll walk around. Some of you you don't know me, you're here for the first time, you're like, is this guy like weird or something? Does he do weird things? The answer is yes. So we did four verses, and we're just studying through Colossians. And um, So now we're in verse 5, Colossians chapter 3. And I kind of like to introduce every week I say a similar thing about, because it's good to understand the, the part of the Bible you're studying. Every book of the Bible is, is so different in the, in the context in which it was written, how God used these individuals to, to write these things, and uh, the scenario that they're dealing with. A lot of the New Testament are actually letters to churches, churches in the area that were just established, just planted. And so the apostle Paul would write under the authority and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he would write these letters not only to the local church, for example at Colossae, that's the Colossians, but also for us as a church and any other church. This is the this is where we get our wisdom and instruction on what to do and on what God thinks. So But each one had a different kind of uh, issue they were dealing with. In Colossians, they had this issue of there were some false teachers coming in. And to make a long story short, they were were turning the people away from the truth, the truth of Jesus Christ into um, an incorrect belief about Jesus Christ. And I don't know if you guys, I think you guys probably all agree with me, but the center of Christianity, the center of the church, the center of our faith, is Jesus himself. And in Colossians, it says he is the head of the church. He has preeminence over everything. So each church has different kind of flavors, and some are more energetic, some are more studious. You know, around town, there's some great churches. But one thing's for sure, every church should have as the center of its life and ministry... The person of Jesus Christ. If Jesus is not the center, that's not, I'm sorry to say this, that's not a real church. That's a social club, that's an encouraging place, it might be some, you know, any number of things, but Christ must be the center of our focus. He is the head of the church. It's like you don't see the body without the head walking around. That's the same with a church without Christ. And that's what they were, that's what he was pointing out to the Colossians, that Be careful what you believe about Jesus because there's a lot of other worldly philosophies about him, ideas about him. I mean, you can ask 10 people on the beach here, what do you think about Jesus? You'll get 10 different answers, you know. He's a good person or, you know, he's a prophet or he's an angel or whatever. He's the son of God. But this is kind of a a correction to kind of bring the church back, Colossians back, to the centrality of Christ. And not only that, but also, what does it mean to be a Christian? If Jesus is the center and we're Jesus' followers, what does that really mean? Is it just some other religion where we do good works and try to avoid doing bad things? A moralistic kind of thing? I talked about that last week. No, in fact, let's read it in verse 1 of chapter 3. It says, If you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Go away, fly. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. There's something radical that's been said there. I talked about it last week. I actually preached about it last week, seated preaching. The reality is Christianity is not just a moral, like, try to do good and avoid being bad. You can do that as an atheist. You can do that as a Buddhist. You can do, you know, I was talking with Gavin, my son-in-law, who's an evangelist. And he was evangelizing this guy. He's also a fisherman. What's up? And he was fishing and evangelizing at the same time. It's possible. And then I went up to him and I said, I'll make you fishers of men. No, I didn't do that. (laughs) But he was talking to a guy and he told me this. He said, the guy was like, yeah, um, I'm a Methodist and my wife's a Buddhist. That's what he said, right? I'm a Methodist, my wife's a Buddhist. And the guy told him, it's basically the same thing though. Like, try to do good and try to stop being bad. That's what the guy said to him. That's what people think being a Christian is. Try to do good and just try to stop doing bad and go to church on Sunday or Thursday, whenever, and read your Bible. But being a Christian is radically different than anything else, any other religion or, or worldview or anything else that we, there is in this world. Being a Christian is actually a matter of life and death. What does that mean? It means your life, who you are, your dreams, your goals, your ambitions, your family... Everything that surrounds you, who you are as a person, your life, that life has, has died. Now you say, that sounds pretty extreme. Well, Jesus said it like this. Take up your cross and follow me. What does the cross do? Kills. Your life is now dead. The life of sin, the life lived for yourself, the life lived for other things besides God, that's dead. And now you have a, a new life, represented by the resurrection of Christ where his life is lived in us and the Apostle Paul says in Galatians he says I have been crucified with Christ nevertheless I live I'm still alive yet not I but Christ lives in me in the life that I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me it's radically different than just try to do good and stop being bad it's your life is dead you have a new life in Christ Jesus and it has nothing to do with being good or bad. In fact, you can have this new life, you may, you may be wondering. You probably already know if you're a Christian. You may be wondering, how do I get this new life? You don't have to climb a mountain or go on a religious journey or pray a certain number of hours or do anything else. In fact, this new life is a free gift given to you and I through the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. He took our place, he took our sin, our sinful life on himself, so that his perfect life, his righteous life could be given to us. So now what do I have to what does that mean to be a Christian? What about good and bad things? Last week I said in Romans 6, chapter 6, shall we continue in sin that grace should abound? Certainly not. Do you not know that he who has died to sin no longer lives in sin? You have a new life. So the reality of Christianity is, if I'm a Christian, it means I've died to my own self and my ambitions and who I am and all my everything, even my family. The priority now is God and His life is lived in me. My life is dead. I'm, I'm living in Christ. And that's hard to understand. I know that. that it talks about, it's, it's all over the Scripture in the New Testament. That's, it's a, it's a, when you understand this principle, it changes the way you live. Because you're no longer focused on trying to do good and stop being bad. Now you're focused on Christ. Your life is different. And then those good works and avoiding those bad works, that's actually a byproduct, or the Bible calls it, fruit of the life that has been changed by Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. If your life has not been changed internally, transformed, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If that born-again thing hasn't happened then you trying to be good and avoid being bad, you're going to end in failure. That's why a lot of people say, I tried to be a Christian, I couldn't do it. None of us can do it. <laughs> That's the point. Really, and I don't want to go too deep in this, but the Old Testament, that was about try to do your best and avoid doing bad. And that was, it's called the Old Covenant. The old agreement we had with, or it wasn't us, it was Israel had with God. But the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that there's a new covenant, a new agreement because that old one was ineffective. It wasn't that the rules were bad. It was that the people were bad. Some of us are worse than others at following the rules. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands or anything. You know who you are. And we've... And if you're like me, you've tried it. You've tried to do your best all day, and then you don't. And then the next day, you're like, okay, God, I promise today I'm going to do better. And then you don't, and then you just feel terrible. Your whole life you feel terrible. You're like, I can't do this anymore. Listen, that's the wrong way to think about things. You've got the cart before the horse. First of all, get the transformation that comes from Christ. His life lived through us enables us to bear fruit of righteousness that slowly but surely we become better people, practically. Learn the doctrinal, verses 1 to 4. Verse 5. There's a word at at verse 5. The word is uh, therefore. It's a transition word. It's basically saying the teaching that you've learned about what it means to be dead to yourself and alive in Christ and all that, It's connecting that, what's going to be said next. I said you got the cart before the horse, but you need to realize that there is a cart. What do I mean by that? It says, therefore, let's just read it, put to death your members which are on the earth, sexual immorality, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry, For because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourself once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds. You have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all in all." Did you just understand what was being said there? It was basically saying, and that's why I've taken so much time talking about the teaching part of it, the doctrine, how your life is dead, you have a new life in Christ. Because he's basically saying, if you truly are Christians, then your new life in Christ should display these attributes. You shouldn't be lying to each other. You, shouldn't be, you, wouldn't, you won't be covetous. Sexual immorality. We read the list. Anger. All these things. And these are things we still struggle with, don't we? We still struggle with these things. We're not perfect. So don't misunderstand what's being taught. There's still a struggle. And the Bible says it's a struggle between the old man and the new man. We just read it. It said, put to death your members which are on the earth. In verse 5, so you say, wait a minute, I thought it said we are already dead. Exactly. Our life is dead, we have a new life in Christ, but guess what? There's still part of our old life that's hanging on for dear life. (laughs) I like that, I liked when I just said that. Because of hanging... (laughs) Sorry, forgive me, I'm just laughing at my own self. There was a pastor who used to say... You know the passage in Romans, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but in Romans chapter 12 it says, um, present yourselves as a living sacrifice unto God. So it's kind of the same principle of like putting to death the things that are sinful or carnal, fleshly. And, and I, the pastor used to say the problem with a living sacrifice is a living sacrifice can always crawl off the altar. <laughs> We're always trying to get away from it. That's why it's a constant. It's not. It's not uh, just an automatic thing. It's a constant mentality of saying, "This is not who I am anymore." I struggle. If you struggle with a sin, you struggle with covetous. You struggle with anger. You say, "I struggle with anger," but Christ has changed me. I'm not. My old life is dead. I'm not an angry person anymore. Even though I struggle with it, it tries to come out. That's why it says, put to death. Be the judge and jury in your life and be like, you are executed right now. And guess what the difference is between a moralistic view of it where you're just trying to do your best and your own self-effort and a life that is lived with the strength and power of Christ. The difference is before we had no ability to do those things that please Christ. The Bible says we were dead in trespasses and sins. That means we, we uh, however hard we try, we may do good for a little while, but ultimately we will fail and our life will be lived for self and sin. But now that we have a new life in Christ, we now have the ability or the choice to be able to live in a way that he wants us to live. In other words, we have the life of God available to live out in our lives. So that we can put to death these things, Uh, uncleanness, passion, evil desire. I'm not going to go through each one of these things, but let me just say it's all bad things. I often recommend getting different Bible translations. I do New King James or sometimes ESV, but I like to read the New Living Translation too. It kind of gives or NIV sometimes. And just to get a little bit of a perspective of some of these things, what it's talking about. The most crazy thing that I was thinking about this week is there's only one of these things where it makes a little comment. And that's the word covetous. Does everybody know what covetous means? It's like a cousin of being greedy. It basically says, and it's actually one of the Ten Commandments. Do not covet your neighbor's stuff. Covetous means... I'm not happy with where I am in my possessions and what I have. I want to have as much or more than that person over there. Guys, heres I was convicted all week, okay? So we live in a nation that is full of covetousness, of greed. And it's a good thing it hasn't crept into the church yet. <laughs> yeah, you got it because you know that's one of our things, man. We're good at pointing out sin when it's like overt, like outward things. Oh man, drug addicts. Whoo, I'm glad there's none of those. Or you know, you name the sin, there's a lot of them. There's a whole list right there when it comes to covetous, though that's a tough one but that's the only one it comments on it says that's idolatry do you know what idolatry is it you know in in the Bible the Old Testament especially they would make little statues of their gods and they would bow down and worship it and they would basically say this God I'm living my life I'm dedicating myself to this God this God is who tells me what to do this God is who I run to when I have a problem this God is what I wake up and pray to in the morning. This God is the one that gives me blessings. That's idolatry. I don't think a lot of us have little idols that we get up in the morning and we're like, I'm tempted to get the little idol out and say, you know. I always thought it was dumb anyway. The Bible says the same thing. You, you make a God, you like whittle it out of wood. Did you guys, some of you guys ever do Boy Scouts? You whittle. That's where you get a knife and a wood and you make something. <laughs> I always thought it was dumb like you're just making the God. Like how do you actually but there's a here's the thing there's a demonic element to it. The Bible actually says that the idols of the people were demons. There's a spiritual element to it. So we don't carve them out anymore. I hope you don't. But right here what is idolatry? That's covetousness. That's when we're not content with the things that God is giving us but we have to have more than the things that the next person has That's kind of heavy. And uh it says verse 6. I'll close in just a second, okay? I I almost stood up. I was halfway. See my back came off the Did you notice that? I was I was relaxed teaching and then <laughs> one of these days I promise because of these things the wrath of God is coming upon the children of disobedience I want you to notice what verse 6 says because some preachers would sit up here and say and if you're covetous and you're this and that and all these things if you do these things then the wrath of God is coming for you and they would just do that the wrath of God is coming but what does it say it's coming for the children of disobedience and it just got through he just got through telling us we're no longer we've died to that life that that judgment is not coming for us because jesus has taken our place for that judgment our sins are not going to be accounted toward us anymore even the covetous one even the idolatry one even the sexual immorality ones they will not be brought up in the day of judgment never they have they become obsolete what it's saying here is there is wrath coming because of the immorality that people are living in and it actually says you used to do that verse 7 when you once walked and lived in them but your life remember it's dead you have a new life so what he's saying here is it's not you're not supposed to be afraid of god's wrath or god's judgment but you should understand the sins that we play with those are the very reasons why people are going to go to hell. Those are the very things that are going to sentence people to hell. And you're like, oh, you believe in hell? Absolutely. Because I believe in Jesus and that's what he said. And uh, so what he's saying here is, you guys used to have this life. You All you did was these things and you loved it. You just lived a life of immorality and greediness and anger and all the things. But now you've died. You have a new life in Christ. And here's the things that are going to be judged in the world, not in you, but in the world. So therefore, don't do those things. (laughs) Man, it's not really groundbreaking stuff, but it's like, hey, Christians, don't be like the rest of the world. Not because you're going to be judged, but they're going to be judged. And that should make you think this is a serious matter. In fact, how are we going to save people with the message of the gospel of Christ who are involved in these things if we ourselves are doing the same things? Be, you say to someone, be saved from the wrath of God that's coming upon the world. The, Jesus, Every knee will bow before Jesus. There's a judgment coming. How can we say to someone, be saved from the wrath of God? And they say, well, why is God going to judge me? And we say, because of covetousness. And they say, what does that mean? It says, well, it means you're trying to like take advantage of people and be better than others and make all this money so that you can prove your whatever. And then they say to you, but that's, we're in business together. (laughs) You're my business partner. That's what we're doing together. You see what I'm saying? And then you think about it or you know take any number of the things sexual morality and and all this stuff and you're doing the same thing I'm we're if we're doing the same thing how are you going to save someone Cuz will be like bro you're doing the same thing I am there's no difference so it's not it's not rocket science here I read there is the rocket going can someone fly in the rocket? I read something in the news. Sorry to sidetrack. Is that true? There's a guy flying in the rocket to space. When? Uh, I think it was like a couple days ago. They made it. Oh, he already flew? That's literally what they did when they went to the moon. No, I know they went to the moon. <laughs> was that moon landing real, though? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but there's a, they're going to fly up there. No, yeah, the, Tourists. Uh, Tourists. SpaceX are the, uh, Branson. Branson. Yeah. What does that have to do with our passage? I don't know. Oh, it's not rocket science. You don't know. <laughs> if our life has been transformed by Christ, then our life should look different than the life of someone who hasn't been transformed by Christ. Right? And not different like I said this last week. We're, we're just a normal, like, this is just a family gathering. That's what people think about us sometimes. Is that a family reunion or what? So we we kind of look the same, we act the same and a lot of we enjoy the same sports and you know do the same stuff. What is the difference? We just had a whole list here. There's a lot of them. These are the differences. The morality that we have. All right. You once so here's here's this. Put off. Here's an easy way to think of it. Verses eight to verse eleven. There's an old life and a new life. The old life is selfish and sinful and we just lived, we didn't live for God. The new life is the life of Christ lived in us. Put off the old and put on the new. Every day. I want to live according to my true nature now. My true nature now is a child of God. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Transformed from the inside out. Sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. This is my new life. This is the reality for me as a Christian. Now, Lord, help me to walk in that new life. To put off the, the, re, the residual life that still hangs on. That we still, We're going to struggle with it throughout. It's called the flesh. And the Bible says the flesh is against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. But thanks be to God, Romans chapter eight, verse one, who has given us the victory in Christ Jesus. So there's now therefore no condemnation for those of us who walk in the Holy Spirit. Sound good? Oh, I, I went back again. I'm I'm done. It's a half preach. All right, let me pray uh, and then we'll we'll sing a couple more songs and is the sun behind the clouds. I was gonna say enjoy the sunset, but it already set. Okay. All right, still there. Lord, thank you so much for another night to gather on the beach. And I do pray for, I believe that your word is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. It's very, it's active. And as we've just studied it, even the verses we've read, I know that you do, you work according to your word. And we just pray that that would be the case tonight. Help each of us to daily put off those things that represent our old life. That life is dead. Do you not know that as many of you who have died to sin can no longer live in that kind of sin? But we still do sin, Lord. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, who is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we just do that tonight again. Every day we confess. We're weak, we're sinful, but you are strong and you're helping us. One step at a time, help us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Let's stand up.